This is Pastor Troy. I hope you're doing well. We are wrapping up season two, but you know what that means? The best of season two. Here it comes. It's coming right at you in just a minute, but don't worry. We're in the studio. We're getting ready. We're getting things lined up, and very soon we'll be unveiling season three of On the Dock. In the meantime, you can go back, watch season one. Check it out. It is fantastic. It's not outdated. Go catch it. And now we're in season two, and get ready for this best of season two episode. You're on the dock and you got Pastor Troy right here. We're back in the studio today. Got another great one for you today. Again, at On the Dock, we're all about conversations to propel your faith out of the shallows and into the deep. And boy, we're going to propel you out today. We've got a great one. Hey, I hope you're enjoying watching us. You can find us as always, wherever you found us, you've got us, but you can also find us on YouTube. If you haven't checked that out, that's our primary uh, place, iTunes and Spotify as well. Primary places to watch us. You can also go to our auxiliary platforms, Google Play, uh, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, and SermonNet. If you go to Roku, you got to download the SermonNet app and look up the On the Dock with Pastor Troy. All those you can find us under On the Dock. Also, social media, you can find us at Facebook, Telegram, Instagram, Twitter, and Getter. Got the new lower third up there. Check that out. Thank you to Haley getting that graphic ready. Lucas has it fired up and ready to go. When you find us on all our platforms, please hit subscribe, like, or notify. Share this with other people because what we're going to be sharing with you can help other people if you're willing to be a partner with us and share that. Also, we'd love to have you as a partner uh, on the dock. We use Patreon. That's our Patreon partner. If you'd like to become a partner, go to Patreon. Look up the On the Dock with Pastor Troy site, and we have four tiers of partnership where you can partner with us. We also have three levels of support. If you'd like to be a sponsor, you'd like to sponsor your business organization and be a part of one of our shows, you can find out how to do that as a single or as an ongoing process. Go to Patreon, check out our sponsor tiers or our partner tiers. Finally, all the information you need, you can go to onthedoc.org, onthedoc.org. You can find out more stuff, find all those templates, all the platforms. There are quick links there. And you can find out more. You can also email us at info at on the doc.org, info at on the doc.org. Get us more information. I'm joined at this table by my lovely co-host and my wife. How long have we been married now? Over 32 years, something like that? 32? 32. 32 years. Yeah. My goodness. Plus a year of dating. Well, well almost a year of dating. Kind of. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. I hung out with you a long time. This is my co-host, the lovely Mother Beth Benetton. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a morning show and an afternoon show. I've got Lucas in studio. He's not on camera. We're trying to get him a camera here and a microphone. We're going to get that done eventually. But we got Lucas Winkler in the studio. He's our techno wizard and also our executive, our executive uh, director here. And he makes everything happen. If he's got a question, he can shout it out always. And he is in here with us again. Thank you, Lucas. And uh, we're ready to get going. Let me just kind of get you set up for a little bit. Uh, I, I was really in my quiet time uh, back earlier in the year, Beth, with the Lord. Lord, and that's when I was digging in the book of Matthew 
in our readings this year. And as I was reading through Matthew, I began to realize that Matthew is a book I think it's really fit for now. Jesus was in a time when he was in, when the, the world was hostile Roman. Uh, he was in a time of paganism. He was in a time when even the church was corrupt with, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were all sold out. Yeah. And Jesus basically lives his life in a time where his story and his Beatitudes, his Sermon on the Mount, his teachings tell us how to thrive in a time of Christian hostility. Mm -hmm. And so, and honestly, I began to look at Matthew differently and go, man, we could use this today because we are like in a modern day Daniel situation, modern day Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego situation. So I believe Matthew's got tools, the Sermon on the Mount, chapter five, uh, Beatitudes, chapter five, Sermon on the Mount, five, six, and seven have great stuff, but the whole book is filled with stuff. When I got to chapter 20, 25, I got studying the parable of the talents. And that's in Matthew 25. And just to make it short for you guys out there, uh, Matthew 25 is all about the story where uh, it's a parable where the, the Lord comes to three of his, his people, of his faithful servants, and he says, here, you take five bags of this uh, gold, you take two bags of this gold, and you take one bag. Now, I believe that the, that the Lord chose that based on he saw skills in each set. He gave them one get five, one got two, one got one, but each got according to what their ability to handle was. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he left them, but he came back years later and he said, I want an account for what I gave you. This is what I gave you. What did you do with it? And the five, the guy that got five talents came back and said, here, I got five more total of 10, man. Good job. The guy that with two said, Hey, I came back. I got two, doubled the money Two got four. Good job. Then the guy that had one said, Hey, I knew you to be a very harsh master. Uh, you, you know, you you, you expect a lot. So I went and dug a hole and I buried the talent and basically I'm just giving it back to you. And the master said, you could have got at least gone to a bank and got me interest. You didn't get me anything. And so basically you have been lazy and unprofitable and you've wasted your talent. Mm -hmm. And he took the one and he gave it to the guy with 10. So the guy with 10 got 11. The guy with four still had his four. And the guy that had one, he got a bad thing. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was put out where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know what the gnashing is, but it doesn't sound good. All right. But the other two in Matthew 25, verse 21 and 23, what's interesting, it says his Lord, it's the same text. When the guy said, I got five, I got 10. The guy said, I got two, I got four. Both times the Lord says to him, well done good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Those guys that did something with their lives, lived their lives well, were blessed by the Lord with, with mm -hmm. not only the prosperity of doing good work, but they were blessed with the promise of a great kingdom and a faithful day ahead. Yeah. As I was thinking about this, it really set on my mind that, Lord, what am I doing with what you've given me? Am, am I being prosperous for you with the talents you've put in my life? Am I taking my five or my two or my one, whatever it is, am I putting them out there so that I can show you when I stand before you that I've lived my life well and I've been productive with what you've given me? And, you know, I, I began to think about that. I thought, well, who are people in my lives that have done? There's a commercial, uh, and I, I just hate to tell you there's a commercial, and I think it's a it's a clever commercial. I'm not into beer commercials, but but anybody know this picture here, this guy here, uh, this guy here that's on the screen here, Myron, we're going to introduce Myron in a minute, but this guy here, famous commercial, it's the Dos Equis beer commercial. And they always say, you know, he says, well, I don't drink beer much, but when I drink beer, I drink Dos Equis. And the, the advertisement goes, this is the most, the most, what is it? The most intriguing man. Oh, I don't know. The I, most interesting. Uh, man. Yeah. The most interesting man in the world. 
You know, he's the most interesting, intriguing man in the world. So I always see that commercial, and when I see that guy, that man, he looks, I don't know, Ricardo Monteblan. He's very, I don't know, he's very, I can't remember the guy's name, but, but I always think, I got thinking, the Lord put this on my mind. And the Lord asked me, who are the most intriguing men in your life? Who are the most intriguing women in your life? Who are the people of God in your life? If you were to say those most intriguing men and women of God, who would they be, Troy? And, and I began to spend time with the Lord on that, Myron. And my grandpa was one of those. I, I wouldn't be where I am without my grandpa. He was just, just amazing. Um, I, I really, I, to be honest with you, very few people, few people in this, this church inspire me more than you have. And we'll get mm. to that in a minute. You're, you're just a man of God. When I, I, when I think about you, I, I just, it just brings joy to my heart. You know that. And, and, and I think of Evelyn Jones in our church. Mm. She's somebody that's a great woman of God. Mm-hmm. I think of Jerry Barnett. Uh, Jerry Barnett, I have known Jerry my whole ministry life, my whole life we're family related. And, and she's just a woman that perseveres and, and she has a great love for the Lord. And so the Lord put on my heart uh, not to have the Dosecki's man here, but the Lord put on my heart, go find those most interesting people in the, in the Lord for you. Fred Bishop is somebody that's an yeah. intriguing man of God. Let's bring them in and let's talk about well done lives, lives that have been well lived. And that's our theme for this series. I'm calling it well done lives, well lived series. These people are all living. They're not gone yet, but they're people at on the dock. We're about having conversations. As we share those, we want to let others join in with us on the podcast, and we're hoping they will enrich other people's lives, encourage people. To, each of us have different gifts, but we want them to take what they've been given, get out and risk things for God. And and we heard, you know, we, when we heard from our grandpa Don, he 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 was somebody that would have gone in a hole and been a coal miner. He just went down there one day and couldn't take it. And because he wouldn't go in the coal mine, he chose the army instead, and he was drafted instead of making coal during the war, he went to the war. That war got him the GI Bill, got him educated, and he was the first college graduate from his family. Hmm. And every one of us since have been highly educated. He, you know, it, you take what you get and you make something of it. And and I know that we've got some people that do that. And I know we've got one in the studio right now sitting across from me is Myron Filkins. He is one of my saints in the church, uh, a prayer warrior for Jesus Christ. He has been in the battle lines well before I was there. And when I went into the battlefields of New Orleans and different places, with No Greater Love Ministries. I saw Myron there uh, leading at the top. He's a great man of faith. Uh, I, I know where he got some of his faith because I was pastor to his mom. And I know your mom was a mighty woman oh, of God. Yes. Rose was a mighty woman of God. Definitely. I was here when she passed and, and love her dearly. And mm-hmm. I know she's with the Lord and she's proud of you. So I kind of know where the apple rolled out. So we'll find out more about that. But Myron's here. Myron, welcome to On the Dock with Pastor Troy. Well, thank you, Pastor Troy. I'm glad to be here. We're so glad. So we want to get in this. Now, tell us a little bit, Myron, about yourself. Tell us, okay, first of all, just where were you born? When were you born? You know, how old are I don't even know how old you are. I'm 74 years old. 74 uh, years young. Yep, 74 years young. And I was born in uh, Kansas City, Kansas. The reason I was born there instead of Missouri was because my aunt lived on the Kansas borderline. Oh, and right on the line. Right at uh, Kansas University Medical Center. And my, uh, my mom, back in those days, they didn't kick you out as soon as you had a baby. You know, you stayed in the hospital a few mm. days. And so... Uh, uh, she knew she'd need, need a place to stay afterwards. So my uh, birth certificate actually says Kansas City, Kansas. But I call myself a Missouri boy because I 
I grew up there. Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. And you, did you grow up eating barbecue in Kansas City? Oh, we didn't hardly have barbecue back in those so, so, days. So it's pre-barbecue days there, before Gates well, and before Arthur Bryant's? Well, the only thing they had, they had one place, Arthur Bryant's. Oh, yeah, that's Downtown. Fine. That's about the only barbecue place there was And they're legends. They're legendary. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so good. I think they're better than Gates. I like Arthur yeah. Bryant's better than Gates. Yeah. Arthur Bryant's where you get in the line in the paper yeah. sack. Yeah, mm -hmm. Gates is good too, but Arthur Bryant's, man, that's some good barbecue. Now, I'm from Memphis. I don't think it's as good as our Memphis barbecue, but Kansas City's second best in my book. <laughs> I'd rather eat Kansas City barbecue than Texas barbecue. Yeah, I do not okay. care for the peppery, you know, heavy paprika. Now, let's not go into the Texans and the Chiefs, okay? <laughs> just don't go there. They don't go there. Okay. So, so you hey, you sent me this picture of your house here, uh, right here. This is your house. This is, this is your Kansas Kansas City home, man. We, we grew up poor. Oh my! And uh, we were the uh, in the poorest of the poor, and that's that's where we lived. So, so that's Union that was, Station. That, that so, was it. So you had a train for a car. Yeah. <laughs> he sent me yeah. that. That I'm lying. I, I I'm lying. lying. So, so so did you grow? You, you said you grew up poor. Did you grow up? I mean, your family struggled or or had had tough times or just just grew up working class. Tell me about that. Well, all of the above. Uh, working class. We. Uh, Lived right, right next door to a uh, powder plant. It wasn't the powder for your face. It was the powder for uh, weapons for, right. uh, uh, you know, the exploding kind of powder. Yeah. And so we lived right next door to that. And uh, uh, they didn't pay very much. And uh, uh, basically we had outdoor uh, uh, coal bins uh, uh, for heating, a little old pot-belly yeah. stove in the, mm -hmm. in the kitchen. And... Uh, would you believe as a little boy I shoveled coal from my grandpa's falls, grandpa's coal furnace? He had coal furnace, coal heated house. I used to haul the clinkers out the clinkers, afterwards. Too, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Grandpa used to. Uh, he has no fingerprints because he hauled. Oh. As a child, he hauled clinkers for people, and they cut up his fingers so bad when he got his securities license, they couldn't get a successful fingerprint from him mm. uh, from from what he did as a child with clinkers. Mm -hmm. They were real sharp, you know. Huh. Yeah. So, so you grew up in, in, in kind of a, in a, a poor thing, but your mom Rose. Oh my. She was a member of this church. I was her pastor. Your mom passed about eight years ago. She went to be at the Lord. Was it eight, seven? Yeah, 2016. Yeah, Thanksgiving so, Day, 2016. I mean, she was a woman of God. Mm -hmm. did, did your family grow up in church? Did she Did she get you in church? How, how did you get to be the man of God you are? That's a really good question. <laughs> I was the first in our family to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Really? You beat your mother? I was... Uh, I didn't know that. Wow. Tell me about it. I was uh, about 12 years old. And uh, our Cub Scout leader wanted to take us downtown, downtown Kansas City. Uh, to the big civic center or whatever it was called back there. And we're talking uh, 60 years ago, folks. And, uh, of course, you had to get... Uh, well, anyway, me and my brother Steve out of my uh, Cub Scout den, we went downtown with her on uh, Cub Scout night. We didn't know what we was going to see or what was going to be there or anything like that. Well, we just wanted to go and uh, be a part of that den meeting downtown. And we got there, and, oh, she was so upset. And we, Why are you so upset? And she said, it was supposed to be this old uh, 
healer, A.A. A. Allen. Oh, my was, goodness. And uh, we didn't know it, but uh, our Cub Scout leader, she had uh, cancer. And so mm. this was the only night he was going to be in town. And so rather than, you know, you either have the Cub Scout meeting or you don't. You're going to this, uh, yeah. Well, we got there, and it wasn't A.A.L. It was a gentleman called T.L. Osborne. Oh, my. <laughs> Another beginner. Wow. And uh, my brother Steve and I, we didn't know anything about Christianity or Jesus or anything like that. And we was clear up in the balcony. All this man could talk about with Jesus and his wife. I forget her name. I'm so sorry. They were just back from India. He had been over in India on an evangelist. Uh, and uh, there was a fire all over me all the time he was preaching. Every time he spoke, there was a fire that came on me. It was like little bee stings or something like a little electrical. And uh, here I was 12 years old. And, and finally he gave a call for us to come down on the stage. And it was the old-fashioned semicircular stage. And there were thousands of people there. And I was right next to my den leader. And I told her, ma'am, I said, I don't know why, but i got to go down there. Praise God. And I went down, and I didn't know she was following me, and my brother was following me. Oh, man. Pushing my way. And I had to realize at that time in my life, I was a very shy boy. And yet I was pushing my way through these crowds of big people. And I got down on stage, and there was people all around this big semicircle on the stage waiting and lo and behold T.L. Osborne started over on the other side of the stage and he starts going by these people and he starts doing this and he starts doing that and then he touches this one and they're falling down on the ground mm -hmm. they're falling down on the stage and I'm watching him as he's going around there little boy not Never saw any of what is going on. <laughs> that was, thank, thank the Lord, that one just got up. <laughs> You're not sure what happened to him. That, that one isn't getting up. Are they dead? Yeah. What's going on? I mean, I was, yeah. this yeah. is what was he's going coming on. And he's side. coming around your way. And he's coming <laughs> around my way, and I'm keeping an eye on him. Like my, my cat, uh, when I walk into the room, he'll keep my, his eye on me. And... Uh, he, he's only one or two people away from me, and all of a sudden this guy comes up behind me, puts his hands on my shoulder, and he says, son, he says, get your eyes on Jesus. And I wasn't being a smart aleck when I said it, but I said, sir, I know that the pictures that we see of Jesus aren't him because they didn't have cameras back then. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, 
Well, get your eyes on the cross. You've seen the cross, haven't you? Oh, that's good. And in my mind's eye, I got, I closed my eyes and I got back. And I saw from the back. I didn't know what it was. I always say God is, is great in special effects because it was like I was moving forward from a distance without walking. But my eyes were on something specific in the distance. And as I came forward, I could see it was like a tree-like structure. And as I was brought around to the front, I could see on the back, I, forgive me, Lord, I could see on the back that it was the backside of a man, and there were deep grooves in his, in his flesh. There, you could even see not only the flesh and the blood, but you could see the bone, the whiteness of the bone in the back. And as I was pulled around or drawn around the front, I, I said, I cried out, they didn't tell me his head was gone. But as I was pulled forward to the front, I could see his head was just laid down on his chest so far. Mm. And I thought, my Lord, he's dead. I'm too late. And that was my first experience with the cross of Christ. Wow. And as I was... Coming up off the floor. <laughs> you didn't mention the going down on the floor in the process. I, I don't remember that. You don't part. remember when you went I, down. I just know all of a sudden he was in front of me. Wow. And I was seeing this vision. Vision. Yeah. And these people are lifting me up off the floor. And... I started to say to them, I was so sorry that I fell on them and felt so foolish and everything, but the words coming out of my mouth were not English. <laughs> filled with the Spirit. Wow. Saved and filled with the Spirit. You were saved and filled with the Spirit all in the same movement, huh? All in the same, all in the same, same meeting. So you, you, all in the you, same. You, you, you had an appearance, what you saw was the crucified Christ. You exactly. saw the cross, and then God gave you a, a vision of, of the crucified Christ. Exactly. And exactly. you came up with the Holy Spirit. And I came up with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And you, where, where was your brother? He was right there with me, but he was two years younger, and uh, and uh, he just came down with me. He, yeah. He didn't even come up on the stage. How about your scout pack leader? Uh, well, she... We never saw her again after that. I guess she, I guess because of the cancer, we did find out later that she had passed away. That mm. uh, uh, so maybe she brought, maybe she was led to come down there for you. Mm -hmm. I, I believe it was a setup of the Lord. I do with all my heart because uh, the way things came yeah. together and uh, me being as shy as I would. I would have not even gone to the event. Right. So how did how does your mom how does your family how does your mom become become a Christian? 
in the process? Well, she always testifies she actually became a Christian uh, when I was in Vietnam. Oh, man. And uh, it was at the preaching of a, uh, an old preacher guy. He didn't even call himself a preacher. He just called himself brother. And, uh, and uh, a little old country church, and uh, she just fit right in because she could be a part of everything. There's <coughs> they had dinners on Friday night for the community and stuff like that, and she could cook in them. And, and that's uh, once you receive the Lord and uh, was baptized. So, so, so you so you got saved somewhere around twelve. Mm-hmm. Changed the trajectory of your life. How did you get engaged with things of God after that? Where, where did that lead? Well, uh, you know, I actually got away from the Lord for uh, twenty twenty some years. It's amazing. So did you get you went you went to high school or the something? The Lord, yeah, the Lord said something. To, oh, please let me go to this next. You this, go for this it. This will explain. You for, I you think go this for will it. explain. The next uh, thing that happened. Oh, I told you. I told you the wrong sequence. I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior the summer before this event. Right. With Teal Osborne. I turned on the TV. I was looking. I stayed home from band practice. I stayed because I hated playing the trombone. I wasn't worth a diddly. (laughs) And my dad told me so. And uh, 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 I was searching the channels. We only had three back then, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, for the All-Star game. And I couldn't find anything except this one channel. There was this great big... uh, 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 baseball field, professional baseball field. And I'm thinking, now this is silly. All these people are sitting out there in the field. They should be in the stands. Yeah. And the team should be out on the field. But no. And this guy gets up there and he starts singing this song I never heard before about Jesus. And then this other guy gets up there and he starts preaching about this guy called Jesus and sin and everything. And uh, that's when I received the Lord Jesus Christ. I came before that TV. And prayed then. The Spirit was so strong. And he said, now, if you receive the Lord, you call in. And they gave this number. It wasn't an 800 number back then. You had to pay they for it. They didn't have, <laughs> you had to pay right. for it. And uh, tell whoever answers that you receive the Lord, and we'll send you some. Uh, it was Billy Graham. Wow. It was one of the Graham Crusades. <laughs> well, a few men, they could take a baseball field and turn it into a turn church. Turn it in. To a church. Yeah. And so I, I wrestled with that, too, because my dad had forbid us to... Uh, uh, Make calls on the phone because expensive and, in those days. Right, long distance, yeah. Or uh, also uh, to answer the phone unless mom or dad said go answer that phone. Son. Right. Well, I called that number. <laughs> that that number in Minneapolis, Minnesota, <laughs> and uh, 
And I just asked the lady to pray. I said, uh, would you pray that my dad don't get mad at me for this? <laughs> and you know what? When he came home, he was on the road a lot, you know, uh, uh, sometimes a month at a time or so. And he come home, and I had to tell him about this. And uh, he put his hand on me and said, son, I'm proud of you. Wow. Didn't know, he didn't know what salvation was. He didn't know Jesus. Mom didn't know nobody. And uh, my next prayer was uh, a couple of months later. It was in August, and I, uh, or a month later, and I, Lord, I wonder, that prayer worked real good with that lady. I said, I would like to get out of band practice and concentrate fully on baseball. <laughs> right. And my dad came home the next month, and I asked him if I could quit the trombone and concentrate on baseball. And that's when he said, son, you sure can. He said, you were awful at that trombone. <laughs> After that, I said, I've got to be very careful what I pray to this God through his son Jesus, because I don't know what all he can do. Wow. I mean, this is a powerful. Just God the fact that your dad was angry showed you that God was already answering. Because he was, he was a, a short. He had a short fuse. And he could, <laughs> I understand that. But uh, anyway, uh, you know what's interesting is, is, is guys, you guys are getting to know Myron. You're going to learn he's a he's a mighty prayer warrior, and you're going to we're going to talk more about your prayer life in Israel and stuff later. But but it now shows me where that started. You saw God do things immediately on things that you knew that only God could do with your dad, you know, taking you to the crusade and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you, need, you, you didn't have an image of Christ, and then God gives you an image. Very early on, God met you at key points, and it really was formative for you, wasn't it? Yes, but it gets really interesting. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It gets really interesting because the Lord through all this. One day he spoke to my heart. And he said, Myron, I'm going to take the memory of all this away Wow. for a while. And then when it's time, I'll bring it back. Yeah. Hmm. And so I went for years, a couple of decades without the memory of any of these things happening. So I could, I, I know that I know that he wanted me to live life where most people are right for a while without my life being shaped by these events uh, and so uh until i got into uh, vietnam i lived in the world i, I just you know, whatever. I, it had an impact on you in those hours in those young days, and then you were able to you you were able to move away from that, go into a period of rebellion, a period of, exactly. of worldliness. Oh, exactly. And, and then and then then basically, at some point in time, the Lord opened Himself back up to you, and you began begin a new path. Let me let me ask: when you you did you go to high school, or did you go into yeah. work after that? You went went to work in high school after that, and. Uh, where did you get caught up in the military process? Where were you at in high school or college or when you got pulled into that? 
Well, it was uh, it, it was in uh, 1966, and of course the war was going on in Vietnam, and uh, <clears throat> my whole family. Uh, my grandma had uh, five sons, and all of them had served in either Army, Navy, or Air Force, and uh, Grandpa had served in the military. So you have four siblings, four brothers? No, these were my uncles. Your uncles, yes, yeah, okay. Uh, my, my dad's brothers. Your dad's brothers. 1966 is when the we, when we got cooked in the war. That's, of course, my birth year. Oh, so, okay. So that's 55 years ago. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, I was born in September 1966. So did you sign up? Or did, did you yeah. sign up or get drafted? I enlisted. Uh, oh, you, you volunteered. Yeah, and wow. I took a lot of heat for it because there wasn't a whole lot of volunteers at the time. Wow! So did you get? Did you pick? Did you pick which? Which were you able to pick where you wanted to go? Branch wise, I, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I went in the army and uh, and uh, I enlisted for a thirty-six month tour of Europe. I wasn't that brave to uh, uh, enlist for Vietnam. But after uh, 18 months in uh, uh, Germany, and we did face down the uh, Russians at that time, uh, uh, right across the border was Yugoslavia, and, or Czechoslovakia, whatever it was. And uh, the Six-Day War, that went on, and, and a few other things. It, and, uh, that Six-Day War is in Israel. And I almost, yeah, I almost started a war with Germany. You almost uh, did. I was in the Signal Corps, and we were out in the field. The whole 7th Army in Europe was out in the field. And uh, I was in the uh, 7th Army's uh, uh, communications. And uh, I was out on guard duty that night. It was actually the wee hours of the morning. And all of a sudden, this, uh, and we took guard duty very serious because this equipment that we're guarding, uh, you had to have a, a NATO secret clearance to, to be around it. And this big truckload of Germans pulled up, uh, and they bailed out of this truck, and they're coming towards me, and I'm the only guy out here. It's wee hours in the morning. And I've got my loaded forty five on my hip, and they're... And that's when you get serious with the Lord. <laughs> the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, uh, what do I do? They're not stopping. I'm telling them in German, stop. Don't, you know, we had signs out and everything. He said, pull your 45. And I did. He said, cock it. And I did. And uh, they still wouldn't stop. Oh, my. He said, now shoot that tree off to their right front. It would have been their right front, my left front. And I did. And they stopped. And they were, <laughs> that they did put it. their hands up. Universal <laughs> signals of 45 round close to your head. And yeah. left. And left. So uh, so short, they were coming for mischief. Yeah. 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 So uh, shortly after that, uh, I went home on leave. And I was seeing all this stuff going on in Vietnam and stuff. And the, and I, I, I just couldn't uh, face myself anymore. I had to enlist to uh, go to Vietnam, and so I did. And mm. and I spent nine, 19 months there. Now, were were you were you taught was were you still away from the Lord at that time? I mean, or was the Lord speaking to you some? Were you were you living for Him yet? Were you still in between? I was. Uh, 
still in between. But for some reason, people treated me differently. I guess I was just in between enough that uh, people just treated differently. I didn't know they looked at me as a Christian or anything like that. I, uh, <clears throat> one of the guys asked me when I got to Vietnam, uh, uh, you know, whenever we got a chance, if I wanted to go to church with him, and I thought, well, my gosh, <clears throat> what else is there to do over here, you know? <laughs> and uh, drugs and booze and, and blood and what have you, you know, uh, what else? And so I started doing that and and uh but then uh, the uh he was the group pastor uh 159th engineer group he uh he transferred out and so we didn't have a pastor for the group anymore and groups is several battalions and of course a battalion several companies so I uh, got away from it. For some reason, I would talk to guys about the Lord whenever I got a chance. Not that I wanted to, but it was something in what they were doing or saying or something just keyed something in me. And I, you know, <clears throat> I spoke to one guy uh, the day before he died uh, about the Lord and... Uh, he wouldn't have anything to do it, but but uh, that night, things I had had training in communications in Europe, uh, we were under attack, and and uh, the company CEO put me on the landline with the bunkers that we had, and uh, I had a chance to talk to that young man again, and he was as he was laying there dying, he. Uh, uh, Receive the Lord. Mm. Oh man! Praise <laughs> God! Wow! And so uh, I spent 19 months there, and uh, uh, I started having adventures with the Lord. And there was even one guy from uh, the South Side of Chicago. I mean, he was a. <clears throat> Hispanic, and he was just as rough and tough as they come, just as rebellious as could be. And he came back from leave, and he said, Myron, he said, I ain't going to believe what I did. And I said, what's that? He said, well, I saw him, I received the Lord, and I was baptized. Wow. And he says, because of you. Wow. And I had no idea. I had right. absolutely no idea that was there was something. It was the Lord. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't me. It was the Lord, and uh, we we uh, came under attack uh, when I was stationed up at Firebase Base. We was attached to the 199th Light Infantry Brigade, and. Uh, the fire support bases where they've got artillery and, and uh, mortars and stuff like that. And it's a base camp basically on a hill for uh, for the infantry. And we were there as en engineers, and we were just 
on guard duty one night and uh, uh, we come under attack uh, by the uh, uh, 9th NVA uh, North Vietnamese Army uh, Regiment, which is much larger than what we had at this base camp. We were only at battalion strength. And uh, as the uh, NBA were closing in on us, something in me raised up and said, call for the uh, Snoopy gunship now. And I said to our lieutenant, I said, I was just an E-5, I said to our lieutenant, I said, uh, sir, I said, something inside me is saying to call for the Snoopy gunship. And so he went in and he talked to the uh, uh, leader of the compound. I don't know if he was a major or a colonel or what. And uh, the guy said, where'd you get that idea? And he said, oh, one of my guys out there, he said, he's, he's different. He hears things. <laughs> and uh, so they called for the Snoopy gunship. <laughs> that was enough for them. Huh? Well, they couldn't get the Snoopy gunship because it was engaged at Benoit Air Base. There was also an attack by another regiment of the NVA there. And he come back and give me the information. And, and by this time, they're close enough that our mortars wouldn't even, we couldn't even use our mortars anymore. Oh, my. And uh, uh, if you want to put that one. Yeah. Yeah, here Picture you go. Up, yeah. There you go. This looks like something out of like Space Invaders, like an alien ship's landing. But explain this, Myron, to us. Yeah, I was, uh, that was a UFO attack. No. No. That was, uh, <laughs> I know. It's I, I, I said to the lieutenant, because that's that still small voice rose up in me. I didn't know that voice. Yeah. I know who it is now, but I didn't know then. I just knew this voice had come, and I said, as I said to the lieutenant, I said, don't they have one of those up, up at Da Nang? <laughs> yeah. And he said, oh, I, I'm not sure. And so he went in, and I, I, and, uh, I went through this thing again, and these guys are getting close now. They're uh, coming within rifle range. Oh, my. And they got this, uh, they had uh Spooky up at uh, Da Nang. Snoopy was down at Benoit. <laughs> they never, they never did this between cores. They never moved equipment like that between cores. But the, for some reason that night, you got an Air Force gunship. We, we got an Air Force gunship from uh, Da Nang. That's like a battleship that's flying and in there, yeah. Exactly. And, so so um, that's a ring of fire it's laying down. That's a ring of fire. Can you bring fire. it back up on the main screen? That's a, literally a ring of fire. That is a ring of fire. That is so much firepower. <laughs> they said it would put a, back then they used 7.62 millimeter rounds. It could put one round in every square inch an area the size of a football field in one minute. That's incredible. 
my brother flew MC, Trevor flew MC-130s, and then they were stationed in Fort, Fort, Fort uh, uh, down in uh, Florida with AC-130s, which is the modern-day equivalent. Right, exactly. And they're just, they're just incredible gunships. They're it just, was like an old DC-3. DC-3. And they can just hover for hours and fly yeah. and, and, and do amazing work. Right, and that's so, what it was. So you were able, they were able to put, put back that fight? Exactly, exactly. Wow. And then... Uh, the night was on, and that was <laughs> our win. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's... It was a, the Lord's win. It was the Lord's win. Yes, it was. Well, look, here's what we're going to do. I think if anybody's listening to us right now, you're hearing, we're only in Myron's early stages. We're very. In, we're very early in his life. You can see as a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, the Lord was really touching him. You can see that, that, that the Lord put him away for a while to let him experience the world. But you can see where the Lord... I, I What I wrote down is there was an anointing on you. I see that anointing. I've experienced it. I've seen it on you. I can understand why people will listen to you. A lot of people don't know why I, I give you the homage to do because I've always seen a special anointing on you. You're just one of those people. Uh, you're one of those most interesting men in the world for me kind of guys. You're going to hear so much more in, in, in part B of this interview. I'm just so glad you're able to hear Myron Filkins. Myron, you're doing an incredible job, and we're going to keep going here in a minute, but uh, we're going to take a little break here in the studio, and we're going to continue on, and I hope everybody listening We'll be back for our second part of this, and I think it's going to get better and better. It's going to be great. I'm so glad you're here on the dock with us. Thank you so much.